Well, the summer break is here. We're going to take a look back on the first 11 races of the 2021 season. We'll give you an overview of where the season is right now. we got some fun superlatives coming up. This should be a fun episode of Fast Lap as we review the first half of the Formula One season. I'm Tony Desiri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. Glad you could be with us. Uh, if you like what we've been doing so far this season, don't forget to leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the channel. Helps us grow. And also like us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast, where you can leave comments, your thoughts on the races, your thoughts on the controversies of the Formula One season. We'd love to hear from you. So this episode is going to be kind of fun. We're going to go over the races uh, into some detail. They're kind of going to be brief. If you really want a full deep dive into the races, you can check out our reviews of the races this past season. We've done a review for every race so far, except Bahrain. We got a little bit of a late start to this podcast. I had to have knee surgery, so we didn't get to launch it when I wanted, but we did a full recap of Bahrain in our Emilia Romagna Grand Prix review. So you can check it out there. All right. So let's go over each and every race and sort of give you an idea of where the season is so far, and then kind of put it in perspective as we've got 12 more races to go. It got underway in March, in late March, at Bahrain, and Red Bull had done really well in preseason testing, so we were kind of getting an idea that this could be a real championship fight, and it played out that way in the first race of the season. Lewis Hamilton narrowly edging out Max Verstappen for the checkered flag, and this was one of those races where you could really see Red Bull showing the right pace against the Silver Arrows. Now, Verstappen overtook Hamilton late in the race into turn four, but because he violated track limits, he had to give it back. This race, of course, also is the start to the season. So there's old drivers on new teams like Sergio Perez racing for Red Bull. Sebastian Vettel is racing for Aston Martin. Fernando Alonso returns to the sport. You've got new drivers and Mick Schumacher and Yuki Tsunoda, Nikita Mazepin. So there was a lot of fanfare about not only who was driving, but where they were driving. Driving. But also, again, this was really about the battle at the top, right? Can Red Bull take it to Mercedes in 2021? And we knew it was going to be a long season. 22 races remained on the calendar, but my goodness, it certainly looked good out of the gate that we were absolutely going to get that this year. Now, Verstappen gets his first one of the season in round two as he takes the checkered flag at Imola. Now, he dominates this race after he took the lead on the first lap. He started P3 but got right to the front of the field. He went side-by-side -side with Hamilton into the Tamarillo chicane, took the lead, and then went off from there. It was a rainy start. Cars were sliding off the track, and then the rain subsided a bit. Hamilton, though, in this race made a mistake. He went off the track and into the gravel, but he was able to back it out. And then there was an accident between Valtteri Botas and George Russell that brought out the red flag. So Hamilton was able to get back out onto the grid. He was able to get back onto the track. He was able to make his way through the field. He was able to pass Lando Norris, finish P2, while Norris finished third. So now we've got these two heavyweights trading wins in the first two races of the season. Then we had to Portimao in Portugal for round number three. It's a win for Hamilton and Mercedes. It wasn't a particularly good track for Verstappen. He didn't particularly like Portimao. He got the fastest lap, but it got taken away because he violated track limits again. And this raised the ire of Christian Horner. It was like, can we get a clearance on all of this? And so we already started to see some frustration earlier in the season. But there was a little bit of worry here because this was Mercedes once again flexing a little bit more of its muscle. And while it was very early and we still kind of hope to have a mano a mano battle between Mercedes and Red Bull, there was a small feeling that this might be what we actually see in 2021 rather than what we hoped to see this season. 
When we got to Barcelona and after that race was concluded, there was a real concern that Mercedes would start running away with this championship because not only did Hamilton win again, he used a two-stop strategy to overtake Verstappen. When Hamilton came out after stopping twice, Verstappen had a 22 to 23 second lead. Hamilton was just able to chip that away. And I think with like six laps to go, he passed Verstappen and got the victory. So now we're four races in. And not only are we four races in, but Lewis Hamilton has won three of the races. And so now you're starting to think, oh, no, no, no. Like we really thought in Bahrain, we were going to see Red Bull and Mercedes duke it out, go back and forth. But we're not getting that so far. But hold on, because the series goes to Monaco in May. And this is where the championship starts to change. Now, if you remember this race, Charles Leclerc won pole position in qualifying. However, he could not start the race. He had crashed during Q3. They had a drive shaft problem, so he couldn't even get to the grid. Verstappen essentially is the pole sitter, but he's running the race from the P2 grid from the start. He blocks Valtteri Bottas and then runs away with this race. He picks up his second victory of the season, his first in Monte Carlo, and Mercedes has a terrible weekend. Lewis Hamilton finishing P7. Valtteri Bottas, who was running second at the time, went into the pits and did not return after they could not get the lug nut off of his tire. So this was a bad weekend for the Silver Arrows, and now Red Bull is starting to take command a little bit and starting to get right back into this thing. And it was kind of a popular podium, too. Verstappen was first, Carlos Sainz second, Lando Norris with his second podium of the year, and then the series went to Baku. Now, this race was wild, absolutely wild. Charles Leclerc wins pole position again and starts from P1, but he could not hold it. Verstappen was able to get the lead, looked like a dominating win until he suffers a tire puncture and he is out of the race. A red flag was brought out. Cars go back into the pit. Now this looked like it was Lewis Hamilton's race to lose and that he would pick up yet another victory. However, on the restart, he hits the magic button on his wheel that affects the brakes that caused him to go right through turn one. He finishes the race outside the points. Sergio Perez picks up the win and Red Bull doesn't get Verstappen on the podium, but they get Sergio Perez on the podium. So the constructor's run is continuing for Red Bull. And you start seeing some frustration from Mercedes, right? They're talking about these flexi wings, taking the FIA to, to the higher international court, right? So there's all sorts of trouble in, in, in the Mercedes camp, right? They're losing races. They're not finishing races. And Red Bull is winning. And they're leading in the constructor's championship. So then the series goes to France and it gets even worse because this is the run of Max Verstappen that gives him a pretty good lead in the championship. Verstappen starts winning the next three races at Paul Ricard. And he does so in France with the same strategy that Lewis Hamilton pulled on him at Barcelona. Red Bull is now really starting to show some dominance right now. They win the last three races, Verstappen in that span winning twice. And now the frustration is really hitting Mercedes, right? It gets even worse. We go to the Styrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull ring and guess what? Verstappen wins again. He dominates in Austria. Mercedes has to sit back and just watch it. This was the race where Verstappen was so far ahead. He just kept increasing his lead and Hamilton just sat back and watched the seconds between him and Verstappen just get more and more and more. And not only does the Dutchman win this thing, he does so in front of the Orange Army who filled the stands that weekend. Now, 
we stay at the Red Bull Ring for round nine, running the Austrian Grand Prix, and this is basically a repeat of the Styrian Grand Prix. Pirelli used a softer tire combination for this race, but it didn't matter. It's another win for Verstappen, who started to extend his championship lead. Now, in this race, Hamilton had some car issues, and he finished P4. Valtteri Bottas did get a P2, holding off Lando Norris, who once again started to really show how consistent he was finishing in the points. He was the only driver to finish in the points. At that point, he was the only driver to finish in the points all season long. So leaving Austria and leaving the Red Bull ring, it is all Red Bull. Not only is it all Red Bull, Mercedes talking about, is there going to be updates to the car? They were openly saying that they didn't have the pace at times. So, all right, where is the championship headed? Now, I was saying at the time, hey, this is still a lot of races left. There are still going to be tracks on this on the schedule that are going to favor Mercedes, and some of the tracks are going to favor Red Bull, but there's a lot that can happen in racing. And boy, was that proven correct, because when we went to Great Britain for the British Grand Prix, then the championship takes a real, real turn. Verstappen wins the sprint qualifying race. First time Formula One has done this, and he gets an extra point over Hamilton, who finished second. Now, this set up what was going to happen in the race, because in the sprint qualifying race, Hamilton was battling Verstappen for the lead right from the get-go. And once Verstappen was able to get the lead coming out of Cop's corner, he was able to run away and win the sprint qualifying race. So in the Grand Prix, Hamilton realized, okay, I'm going to start P2. I've got to take the lead of this race early. I've got to be the car that gets the lead coming out of Cops into Maggots, right? That's where the biggest controversy comes from the season. He goes to the inside, tangles with Verstappen. Verstappen goes into the tire wall. Charles Leclerc takes over the lead of the race. Hamilton is later penalized 10 seconds. He gets back out on the racetrack. He tracks Charles Leclerc down and he wins the British Grand Prix. And immediately the debate ensues. Was this a racing incident? Did Lewis Hamilton have the right to make that move at Cops? Christian Horner said he did not. It's one of the fastest in the world. Toto Wolf wants to send Michael Massey an email during the race. Massey doesn't check emails during the race. There's a battle of words between the two teams. Social media gets involved. And this becomes the most critical moment of the season so far. This is where the championship battle takes a step up. Right now you've had wheel-to-wheel contact, you, something we've anticipated all season, and it results in Verstappen going into the wall with, at 51 Gs. Right? So it sets a worldwide debate. Sides are now being drawn. And then the series goes to Hungary. And good for Verstappen in the press conference to say, I don't want to talk about this anymore. We're going to move on. But that's still on everybody's mind. How are these two going to race again? So round 11 is at Hungary, and this by far is the craziest race of the season. And, and here's the thing. It's been a couple of weeks, and I'm still digesting exactly what this race served its audience. It's, it starts off in qualifying when you had the two Mercedes drivers up front, a front row lockout, but they're on medium tires and everybody else is on soft. So we go into Sunday going, wow, what's going to happen here, right? Are Mercedes going to be able to hold off all of these drivers on soft tires? How long are the soft tires going to last once those guys, if they can get the lead of the race, how is this strategy going to play out? But we didn't get to find out because when the race actually occurred, it was wet and everybody started on intermediate tires. So that was thrown out the window. But because we started on intermediate tires and because we started in the rain, Valtteri Bottas runs into Lando Norris and takes out like five drivers. 
Lance Stroll, same thing. He tried to avoid it. He got it out as Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez. Stroll is out. Botas is out. Verstappen's car is damaged. Daniel Ricciardo's car is damaged. Later on in the red flag stop, McLaren announces that Lando Norris's car is out. So they go back out for the formation lap to restart the race. And everyone's on intermediate tires. And the drivers are noticing that it's not raining and the track is drying out. And so when they come around to get to the grid, to line up, to get the start of the race, everybody but Lewis Hamilton goes in to change for slicks. And Hamilton is the only one on the restart. The only car on the restart. And off he goes. And as he's driving, he realizes, oh, no, because I've got to be moving because here they come all on slicks coming out of the pit lane. So he gets up about a five second lead and he goes in to change for slicks. And what happens? He comes out dead last on a track, by the way, where overtaking is really, really hard to do. And that gives Esteban Ocon the lead of the race. He fights off Sebastian Vettel. Meanwhile, Lewis Hamilton is picking off cars one by one en route to getting into the top three. He gets in this great on-track battle with Fernando Alonso as Alonso is defending. Hamilton is attacking. A great battle of world champions. It lasts about 10 laps. Uh, Alonso helping out his teammate up front, holding Hamilton back. And Esteban Ocon picks up his first Formula One victory. He wins the Hungarian Grand Prix and Sebastian Vettel finishes second. Oh, wait, he's disqualified because they couldn't get a liter of fuel out of his car at the end of the race. So Lewis Hamilton ends up finishing P2. Verstappen, who went around the Hungara ring in a beat up car, finishes P9 after the disqualification moved him up a spot. I mean, this race served you everything. I mean, everything. A first lap crash, taking out some key drivers. Lewis Hamilton starting on the grid by himself, not changing for slicks like everybody else. Hamilton having to move up through the field on a track where you just can't pass anybody. A great racing battle between two former world champions. Esteban Ocon picking up his first win. A disqualification. And that's where we're at after 11 races in the books. And so where do we stand in terms of the points? Hamilton leads the championship now by eight points over Verstappen. Verstappen had a 32-point lead heading into the British Grand Prix round 10. He later had a 33-point lead after the sprint qualifying race. Now, Hamilton leads by eight. So I was saying before, the idea that Mercedes was like, I don't know how we're going to do this. How are we going to get back into this championship? They knew that crazy stuff can happen in this sport, and you can get right back into a championship. It just took a couple of DNFs, and that's all you need, or a bad running or you know, mechanical problems or damaged car or whatever. And they got that in the final two races of the first half. So I don't want, I know people have a problem with the fact that Verstappen was taken out in two races by Mercedes drivers, Hamilton at the British Grand Prix, and then Valtteri Bottas in a sense um, because of the, you know, the pileup that happened in turn one in Hungary. But again, that's where we're at heading into the second half. All right, so Hamilton leads Verstappen by eight points. Lando Norris is P3. He is leading Valtteri Bottas by five points. Norris finished in the points in every race except for Hungary. Sergio Perez is fifth. He has a victory on the season at Baku. Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari is sixth. Charles Leclerc is seventh, his teammate. He trails by only three points. Daniel Ricciardo, who's at a really struggling year, had some good moments, still struggling with the car. He is ninth. And Esteban Ocon winning at Hungary is 10th. As for the Constructors' Championship, Mercedes is on top of Red Bull by 14. Ferrari and McLaren, and this has been fun to watch all season. This has been a great battle for P3. They're both tied with 163 points. Alpine, fifth, just nine points ahead of AlphaTauri. Aston Martin is seventh. Williams is eighth. They picked up their first points of the season in Hungary. 
All right. So here are some of my first half superlatives. So I had a lot of fun with this. I hope you enjoy it. We're just going to go over this couple of uh, categories here. And the one right off the bat is the best race. For me, the best race of the season was Bahrain. And I know it's weird because we had a lot of good races this year to take just the first one out of the gate. But I do think that the importance of the Bahrain race and just the energy and excitement of, of Verstappen and Hamilton battling it out and and the overtake by Verstappen that had to be given back. And I just think it set up the season. I think we're all really excited about it. I loved seeing the new cars and the new drivers. And you had Sergio Perez starting from the pit lane and charging his way up through the field. You had a sandwich bag incident for Fernando Alonso. Uh, Mazepin, Nikita Mazepin spinning almost immediately to kick to start his F1 career. I just thought it was the best race because from the standpoint of what it let, led us to, it, it really set the stage for what the season was. I loved Imola. I just liked the way Lewis Hamilton climbed his way back through the field. But I think for the low, that drama of those final few laps, I think nothing really beat Bahrain this year. All right. So if that was the best race in my book, what was the worst race? And for me, that was Monaco. Look, I, I've been watching Formula One a long time. I know Monaco. I know you can't overtake there. I still love Monte Carlo. I still love the the nostalgia of this circuit. I love the history of this circuit. But as I said in the in in the episode where we reviewed the Monte Carlo Grand Prix, it, it's not something you would bring a new Formula One fan to and say, this is what this sport is about. Because it, it there is so much nostalgia to it, and there is so much glitter and glamour to it, but the racing is not there. And for Charles Leclerc to, to win pole position and then have a crash and then a drive shaft issue and he's not being able to start and Verstappen just sort of dominates from the from the start of the race and there's really nothing else going on. There's hardly any sort of overtakes because you can't do it there. I thought it was the worst race so far on the calendar. My driver of the first half is going to be Lando Norris. No one was more consistent this season than Norris. He had been in the points in every single race except for Hungary, where he had a DNF. Uh, he had a couple of podiums this year. And there were times, and I, and I said it, when Mercedes is running good and Red Bull is running good and both of their drivers are having ex great days, the best a McLaren is going to do is fifth. Norris had a number of fifth-place finishes. Really the best of the rest. I, I've said it before, when Red Bull is running really well and Mercedes is running re really well and both both drivers for both teams are, are in the top, the best a McLaren is going to do is fifth. Lando had a number of, of fifth-place finishes when those guys were at at the top of the field. And so I, I just think he was the best driver of the first half. My most shocking result, that was the Azerbaijan outcome. Now, there have been a few moments in my time cover, you know, following racing, covering racing, where I, I verbally screamed at a moment, right? A crash, uh, an outcome, a pass, an overtake, whatever. But man, my uh, decibel level went through the roof when Lewis Hamilton went right through turn one on that restart. I didn't see it coming from a hundred miles away from five feet away. I just did not see where that came from, right? It was in the bag for Lewis Hamilton. Now I didn't go crazy when Verstappen suffered a puncture and, and cause that that's happened before, but I've never seen a driver just straight through and, Oh, I hit a button. That was it. Like this was my race to win. I kind of needed to win it. Because at the time, you know, there was a little bit of momentum for Red Bull and he just went right through the turn and I went nuts. I think many people around the world went nuts as well. The most memorable moment of the first half of the season, and not in a good way, it's the cops crash at Silverstone. I think this is going to be the signature moment of the 2021 season. 
I think this has championship ramifications. I think it's one of those moments that defines a season. This was a controversy on top of a controversy. You had not only the drivers, you know, fighting it out on the racetrack. You had team bosses in Christian Horner and Total Wolf sort of sparring with words. And some of the words really cut deep. I mean, there was a real accusation for Hamilton that he really did Max Verstappen dirty in that corner. Um, it wasn't you know some people's finest moment. Social media started taking sides. There were a lot of F1 historians on Twitter pointing out you know, previous times where drivers had tangled into certain corners at races around the world. I mean, it was a real moment where the sport went beyond just what was going on the racetrack. And I, 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 unless, unless we have a sort of Roman Grosjean crash Bahrain situation, which I hope we don't, I think this becomes the moment of 2021. Uh, the best team so far, I'm going to give this to Red Bull. And I know uh, Mercedes has kicked it up, but I think Red Bull has had uh, periods of time this season where they've really showed flexing their muscles. And I think that, that they are a better team right now than Mercedes. Mercedes has won the last two races with Max Verstappen and a DNF and a, a damaged car. But that three race period where Max Verstappen was winning and that five race period where Red Bull was winning, they had everything clicking. And they are the best team so far in the first half of the season, even though Mercedes leads in the constructors points. I'm giving it to Red Bull. The surprising team for me is Ferrari. Look, I, I, I could, I could go down the list and probably nitpick a little bit of teams that are, that are doing pretty well this season, but Ferrari have really uh, gone beyond my expectations. I knew the car was going to be better than 2020. I knew 2020 was going to be a disaster for them. And it was, but with Carlos Sainz and, and Charles Leclerc, they've had some fantastic moments. I remember when Leclerc got pole at Monaco, I remember saying, all right, that's great for Ferrari because you won't see them on the pole again. And I was wrong by one week because at Baku, Leclerc was on pole again. All right. They, Carlos Sainz had some great results, a couple of podiums. You've had Charles Leclerc you know, maneuvering his way through the field in Austria after uh, causing an accident and then coming back to get a top 10 finish. Um, you know, the France race, the French Grand Prix was a disaster for them. They just didn't have the tires right, but they rebounded really well in back-to-back -back races in Austria. Uh, Charles Leclerc could have won the British Grand Prix if Hamilton had gotten, let's say, a stop-and-go penalty rather than just a 10-second penalty on a pit stop. So there was a lot to like about Ferrari's season, and it's been kind of a surprise. Uh, the disappointing team for me is Aston Martin, and I, and I know that they're putting a lot more effort into the 2022 car. But I did expect a little bit more from them. They were coming off a really good season in 2021 as Racing Point. And I thought that they would be better with Sebastian Vettel. But they really haven't. Vettel does have a podium at Baku. He was going to have a podium in Hungary, but he got disqualified. There were just not enough good things for me this season to think that some of the expectations that I thought this team had going into the season were just not met. All right, the worst controversy of the first half of the season, I'm giving this to the flexi-wing debate. I, I thought this was really overblown. Lewis Hamilton brought this up in Barcelona, and he talked about, look, Red Bull's wings are flexing a little too much. Toto Wolf brought it up. Christian Horner said, yeah, but they're within the guidelines, and this kind of went back and forth. The FIA came in and said, all right, look, we're, when we get to France, you know, we're going to have new regulations on this, so you have plenty of time to get it fixed. But they were going into Baku after Monaco, and Wolf was really concerned about what those flexing wings could do, especially down that long straight in Azerbaijan. Yeah, you know, he threatened to take the FIA to a higher court. It was really messy, and then it just sort of went away, and and that's it, and that's it. So there was a lot of smoke here. 
I just didn't think there was any fire. I thought this was the worst controversy that we had in uh, so far this season. I think the most overplayed story this year has been the future of Valtteri Bottas, but that's a given. We sort of get that all the time with Valtteri. Is he going to come back? Or Mercedes going to bring him back? Does Lewis Hamilton want him back? And there's no question that we have it in spades this year. I think we all agree that George Russell is going to get this ride and pretty soon, probably next season. And But it seemed like there was a period of time where every race Valtteri's performance was evaluated, right? He didn't follow team orders as quickly as they wanted in Barcelona, right? He had some bad finishes. He got in a wreck in Imola with George Russell, where again, he's fighting a Williams. I mean, that was silly. But again, this is one of those stories that has been getting played for a couple of years now. And I just, I think it's really overplayed. The best feel-good story of the first half of the season, I thought this was Esteban Ocon's victory at Hungary. I felt the same vibes for this that I did at Monza last year when Pierre Gasly crossed the finish line. Ocon has had a lot of highs in the sport and a lot of lows. He was let go from Force India slash Racing Point when Lawrence Stroll bought the team, um, then was a Mercedes reserve driver, and then he got back on with Renault, now Alpine. He got a three-year contract extension and then immediately was terrible. Two P14s and two DNFs, right? After getting the contract extension. And no matter how a race finishes out, right? No matter what are the circumstances within a race, you never can take a victory away from a driver, right? You can't do it with, oh yeah, but this was Esteban Ocon's Formula One victory. No matter what happened within that race, no matter who didn't finish, Esteban Ocon is a Formula One race winner. And I thought that was the feel-good story of the year. The sour taste story for me of the first half of the season was the social media reaction to Hamilton's win at Barcelona. And I'm not talking about Verstappen fans who legitimately were pointing out things about that crash or things about that contact that they felt were wrong and, and, and poor driving on Hamilton's part. I'm talking about the racist attacks on Hamilton for what happened at Cops at Silverstone. To see the racial insults directed at him on social media was disgusting. I'm glad that every single team came out and said that there's no place for it in Formula One. Uh, that story was the sour taste story of the first half of the season. And finally, my final superlative of 2021, the first half of 2021. And I know a lot of you listen outside of the United States. I got a pretty good international audience for this uh, podcast. But the story I want to hear more of this upcoming season is more growth of formula one in the United States. Like I said, it's more personal to me than for many of you who listen in the Netherlands or England or France or wherever you are around the world. But to me here in the United States, I have seen this sport grow to a point where I felt an opportunity to start a podcast. I've been a formula one fan for a while. My son just got into formula one a couple of years ago, basically due to drive to survive. And we now share this sport together. And I'm glad because we didn't really share a lot of sports together. Now we share this one. We talk about the races while he's at college. We watch, you know, the races virtually together. So we discuss the stories of the day together. But what I am seeing more and more of is my friends who are posting on social media that they are up early to watch whatever Grand Prix. And I've never seen that before. I had never seen, I thought I was kind of all alone, you know, getting up at four in the morning to watch a race uh, somewhere around the world or staying up till midnight to watch a race that was over in Japan or in Australia. I thought I was alone doing that. And now I'm starting to see my friends are doing that. And a lot of it has to do with drive to survive. And 
I know Drive to Survive has a lot of criticism, and certainly I've seen it, and I, I get how reality television works, and sometimes you see the, the you don't see the full story. But if it's allowing for growth here in the United States, I'm all for it. I hope there is a second race in the United States. I hope when Miami comes on the calendar that Austin finds a way to stay. I know there's still got to you know come to an agreement on that. I hope Indianapolis gets a Formula One race. I hope Liberty Media grows it in this country to a point because as an American broadcaster, this has been my outlet to talk about a sport I like a lot. I really love a lot. And I don't get to do that on my regular radio show where I'm discussing NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA Finals, or any other issue in sports. And I think that's been a really great thing. I, I want to see it grow more and more. So for those of you who listen outside of the United States, I know you're probably listening to an American just you know wishing more and more Formula One fans are in my country, like just like in your country. But that's basically where I stand. So the story I want to hear more of is more of the growth of Formula One in the United States, the ratings up for the broadcasts, more interest in podcasts like myself, more potential for races. So that's the story I want to hear more of. All right, uh, one quick news and notes. Japan is canceled. There is no running at Suzuka this year for the second straight season. That is too bad. This was a race I I, I really enjoyed watching. I, I It started late for me in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So I was I'm kind of disappointed that I don't get to see it again. I always like the late, late races where you kind of stay up to watch it. So I'm kind of disappointed in that. Singapore has already been off the schedule. So we're starting to lose some of these races that were on the second half of the calendar. They don't know where they're going to replace it. So there's still an open opportunity for, like I said earlier, the U.S. to get another race. I have no idea. I, maybe it's back to Europe for a couple more races. No idea. I know they'll replace it. I just don't know where. But I, I think Suzuka is a fantastic circuit, and I'm going to miss it in uh, 2021. All right, so be on the lookout for our Belgium Grand Prix preview as we get ready for the second half of the Formula One season. And again, find us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast. You can find us there. You can participate in discussions about the Grand Prix, controversies, stories of the day in Formula One. You know, keep it civil, but we should have some good fun there. Also, if you need to reach us via email, you can do so at the Overtake F1 podcast at gmail.com. And you can find me personally on Twitter at Tony D Radio. Again, so the Belgium Grand Prix preview coming up later on this month. Be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to the channel. Leave us a good review. If you like what we do, it helps grow this channel. All right, so hang in there because the second half is coming. All right, I'm Tony Desiree, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast. <laughs>